another year, another pure Luc Dubois story. It's starting to get to a point where it's just like, you know, stop rehashing the same storyline. Like we've had the storyline before, right? Like I don't, I don't really care about the same storyline again. Like give me new storylines to work from. Do you want to just pull up the the conversation from, I don't know, fifty episodes ago and just put it here? Basically, like at this point, we get it. You want to play in Montreal, right? Like, I guess he wants to be the local player on that team. You know what I mean? Yeah, he wants to be the guy in Montreal. And like, remember, he, um, in last year's draft, he attended the draft, hoping that he'd be traded there. That's how like, that's how much he wants to be with the Canadians. Oh, I forgot about that. That was like borderline embarrassing. Right, and he attended. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be here," and then he nothing happened. Oh, that was so embarrassing. I forgot about that. Jeffrey, do you remember that? I, I do, um, and I mean, he would be a good fit on the Habs, but the question would be like, what would you have to offer, right? Like, and I mean, I feel like a motivated Dubois would be better than any Dubois we've seen so far. So, I mean, as a Habs fan, I'll take him if the price is too steep. But you're kind of like. He's still an RFA this year, right? So at the end of the day, he is. They've, they've got some leverage, right? Like they're not completely out of leverage, but at the same time, it just comes back to why would a team try to off? Like it, you're purely getting this as a rental if they're not willing to sign. And he's the, the only team long term he's willing to go to is that team. But at the same time, he's kind of said, oh, yeah, like. I guess I'd sign one-year deals with, I think it was Boston, LA, and I want to say Minnesota, which also is, in what world can you imagine him going to Minnesota? Because they're rivals. So, thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) And they don't have the cap room. Yeah. Thanks, but no thanks? Like, I, like... What role does this happen? I mean, uh, he can kind of, I don't know. It, it, he's, it's in a tough situation for both, I think, the Jets, really, right? Like, this is a guy that they thought when they brought him in, they're like, oh, maybe he might be more motivated, might sign on long term. I mean, they gave up lining for him, right? So they're hoping big things, but clearly. I, I don't know. I feel like he doesn't feel like he, sh- he should be playing second fiddle. But when you look at, like, if he were to play for the Habs, he'd probably still be playing second fiddle to Nick Suzuki. I, I Maybe that's why he said Minnesota, because I don't... Does Minnesota really have a number one center? Probably not. So maybe that's where he feels like he might, you know. And also the fact that he probably gets to play with Kaprizov, so maybe he can jack up his stats and get like a big boy contract come when he is a, is a UFA, right? So I, I kind of get it a little bit. I mean, there's no one to, as in your words, jack up your stats in Montreal, is there, or does he not care? Well, I mean, unless you stack up a first line of like what Dubois, Suzuki, and the newly resigned Caulfield, like 
maybe, but like, like I guess Montreal is the home factor, but I think Dubois himself he feels like he is a like a top notch number one center. Like he is should be the clear defined like number one C. Um, you know he shouldn't be playing. You know he should be like a secondary offensive guy. He should be the main guy and. I think he's trying to look around the league and see like where would he be able to you know be that star guy and whether he is that star like center is probably up to debate still right like is he that top fifteen top twenty center in the league I think that's a something of a discussion. I don't I don't think it's even close is he I say he's like forty to fifty he's a really good second line center but not anywhere close to that level right like the. Like the past years of the league, like the Bozak, where it's like he'll be fine, but he's not the guy, kind of guy. Because this year he had his career high in points, sixty three. Is sixty three points a number one center? No. I can't believe you just compared Dubois to Bozak. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Usually I've got your back, but that one that was a little hard to do. No. Never. <laughs> I respect it. I respect it, though. But Dubois, I mean, yeah, like, I think in a pinch, number one center, sure. Like, if he's playing, like, with a really good winger, I, I can understand that. And this year, he's kind of was able to play more top-line minutes than I think we thought he would with the Jets, just given how, like, Blake Wheeler kind of fell off a little bit. The injury to Ehlers, they had to kind of stack up a top line. So I kind of get it that he feels like he should be a number one center, but I, I don't think teams feel him feel like he is like that top fifteen center in the league, right? Like, is he that great defensively? Like, is he a guy? Is he that two hundred foot center that you want? Like an Anze Kopitar, if you're looking at like the LA Kings, or like a Patrice Bergeron, if you're looking at the Boston Bruins. So I don't know. To me, I I, I look at Dubois. I'm like, you know, I will take him on my team if he's playing my second line center and if he's not asking for first line center money like it's gonna be interesting like you said he doesn't really have much you know like uh, power where he goes but he does have arp right so he could you know ask for a ridiculous amount of money if he really wanted to and or maybe the jets just like don't want to deal with his arbitration and just trade him at the draft or something like i don't know what's going to happen there speaking of trades Let's start the show proper and uh, dive deep into some of these trades that we have this week, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Just because the LA Kings aren't in the playoffs anymore doesn't mean that we can't still dominate the news headlines because no one cares about who's playing in the finals, especially not the team that is winning. We, we hate that. We don't talk about that. But um, LA Kings made a, made a trade and uh, interesting one at best. As a, as a Kings fan, it, this hurts. Honestly, you'd like see your window and you're just like, oh, here's the window. And you also kind of see your team kind of like, I don't say actively tearing it apart, but kind of also 
making a mess of things. Does that make sense? Do you love Sean Walker that much? Uh, Sean Walker's a good defenseman. And also, it's how they use the money after that that confuses me, right? So the Kings acquired Ivan Provorov at 70%. The Kings are retaining 30 Kings got two prospects. I don't want to say prospects. Two AHLers. And the Flyers got Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, Helga Grons, a 2024th second and a 2023rd first from LA and the 2024th second from Columbus as well. Uh, so the 2021st would be a tw- uh, number 22 pick. But the easiest way to explain it is the Blue Jackets got Provorov, a defenseman. LA Kings got Capface. And the, and the Flyers got a pretty good defenseman, I'd say, for a second pair and a third pairing guy. A prospect, a couple picks, and eight Cal Peterson's contract that is for, what, four more years, I want to say? No, no, it's like two more years, I think. Two more years, sorry, yeah, two more years. Um, as a as our resident Columbus fan, can you explain to us what Columbus has been doing the last couple of moves they've had? Where the game Provorov, and then there's Severson we'll talk about in a bit. Um, Jonathan Quick, you know, what, what the, sorry, Hutchinson. Jonathan Quick. <laughs> can you explain to me you know, what the stat, what the target Blue Jackets are? I mean, like you look at the defense without Severson, without Provorov, it's I'm sure you can list it really. It's Wierenski, uh Jake Bean, Goodbranson, Peak, Boquist, Blankenberg, and then like Bay uh Bayreuther. You know, like how many of those guys do you trust on a daily or a nightly basis? So I guess my question for you though is when you look at... Let's look at the Provorov trade separately. Right? At 82 games, 27 points, even at six at 4.725, is that worth it? Is there not better options out there? Like who? Sean Walker. <laughs> mm. Like, if you look at it skill versus skill, okay, I see the argument. But if you look at it as a separately from the, you know, on a different sense, from a cap hit included perspective. But then that trade won't work at all because then we won't want to eat Peterson's contract. The whole bit doesn't, like the whole trade falls apart if you want a Sean Walker. And I'm pretty sure. Free agents to look for? Such as who? Killing me here. Like Jeffrey, this is where you talk usually. Top of my head, it's it's like Dimitri Orlov, um, it's Severson, and if I remember, this year's draft or this year's UFA class is relatively thin. At this point, would you maybe even consider John Klingberg? He's not charging four point seven two five, is he this year? I don't think so. Would he want to sign in Columbus? Maybe. Provorov doesn't necessarily have a choice because he signed you a contract. You trade for him with with the two years. Yeah, but like you're you're questioning it. You're like him? Heck, at this point I feel like you're probably getting a better deal with uh Brian Dumoulin if you wanna trust that. Again, do all any of these guys wanna sign? 
I, w- I wouldn't be able to answer that question. I don't think any of us can answer this question. So that's what I'm saying. It's like Provorov has two years. Let's just say things don't work out next year. You can technically flip him. That's fair. Uh, I, I mean, the Blue Jackets here are looking for some way to, you know, maybe see if Provorov can rebuild his value. Maybe he just needs to change his scenery. I mean, like, as much as we say, you know, 27 points for a guy like Provorov, but he only had two power play points, right? Like, that's 23. He had 23 even strength points, two on the shorthand, like, on two on the penalty kill, right? Like, that's not bad if you're paying four, seven, two, five for him, right? It's The question to me is, like, if you look at the Blue Jackets as a full picture, is Provorov going to produce more on a team with that already has Rosinski, has Boquist, has Severson. Like it, how far has would Provorov fall down the offensive pecking order on defense, right? So I mean like it, it's a risk I think that Blue Jackets can take given that they are kind of like a rebuilding slash thinking that they're a re- retooling team. So I get it. And like you're right, like you could probably flip him um if he doesn't work out next year. But at the same time, like you probably gave up quite a bit for him that you're probably not going to recoup any of the assets or as much assets as you get if you were to flip him at, say, two seasons down the line at that trade deadline. Right. But then also it's like Rorinsky, he basically played a quarter of the season and his shoulder gave out last year. Jake Bean hasn't been healthy. Um, like, realistically speaking, it's... Branson was heavily featured in our top four, and we know how good Branson is on the ice. Um, I don't think they want to do that again this year. They want to have a guy where it's like, you know, eight minutes. He's done it in the past, and maybe I, I think from what we you know seen and read, um, Provorov wanted out of Philly for a little while, and this is uh, a way like one of the options, and like. What was it? Uh, and whenever they got drafted, I think twenty sixteen was it. Provorov, or is it earlier? Uh, I want to say Provorov. Twenty sixteen sounds about right. Uh, right. Twenty fifteen. Sorry. Okay, but you know, I think at that point, um, Babcock, who is also a coach now, not officially, but he wanted one of. I think Hannafin, Provorov, slash Rurinsky. And now he gets two of the three on his team. I think that kind of... I don't think that's a factor in him, that you know, becoming our coach, but it's like, you know, he has two of the three guys he wanted a few years ago. Maybe something works out there. Yeah, like, I, I don't hate the trade, per se, with Provorov coming to the Blue Jackets. I think that... You know, given how injured the Blue Jackets D, like you mentioned, how they were last season, I feel like they needed some solid guys. It, it's not a, it, it is a price to pay, right? Like in the end, if you look at what the Blue Jackets gave up in this trade, it was realistically the assets they got when they did the Gavrikov trade, right? When they traded him away, they it's that same first round pick that the Kings gave them for Gavrikov. Um, and like, yeah, like 
I feel like this show is kind of like who helped out who. Everyone kind of helped out themselves a little bit. It's just going to see who ends up getting the most value at the end of the trade, right? So we'll, we'll kind of see how that goes. If I was a Kings fan, sorry, I am a Kings fan. Sorry. If I was if, a if I was a Blue Jackets fan, my concern would be: Are you paying too much for your defense, especially the bottom six pairings? Because you what you'd expect what Good Branson and Peak to be your third pairing, Good Branson and Jake Bean to be your third pairing. Like your third pairing is, is a total of almost seven million of them. Right. right, but a whole chunk of that is really good Branson. Yeah, most of it's good Branson, yeah. Realistically, it's like you put good Branson and X or Y, it's kind of like it's still going to be a lot. And that's not really something you can move out. Like $4 million for the next three years, it's kind of like it sucks. And I think we said this, we just said like a long time ago, but it's going to suck and it's still going to suck. Yeah. No, that's fair. Well, can we talk about about from the Kings' point of view, right? Like, I, I know the main thing Allison's been kind of hinting at was like, yes, they cleared up cap space, but did they use that cap space well? I mean, like with Rob Blake, right? Like that, I I, I feel bad for Cal Peterson because I feel like he's a better goalie than how he performed last year, and he did really well at the World Cup, right? Like he. Was he like an under one GAA or something? Like something ridiculous. Like they needed to clear up his cap space, obviously, because they had some guys that they wanted to resign. Um, they are a team that is looking to become a playoff hopeful, playoff contender, right? So it kind of makes sense. And I don't know. Did, did they give up? Was it was it worth you know doing this trade to get out of Peterson's contract just to resign Gavrikov? What's your thoughts here, Olsen? See, originally, the rumor was he was going to get like a three-year, four-year deal at six-plus, right? So the fact they got him at under six is nice. But at the same time, it's like, he's not he hasn't been great. Because the Kings are he's, he's okay. He's very much a... I mean, I wouldn't mind him on my team, but like, at the same time, it's... Eh, I don't really care. But to get rid of the contract for um, Peterson, that's huge. I would have preferred that maybe you try to spend the money on Corpusalo instead. Obviously, he's not getting five. I'd say he's probably getting much more than five. Um, he's been pretty good this season. So I would have preferred they spent the money on Corpusalo and gone with the Copley Corpusalo pairing. I'm concerned that. We're going to lose Corpus Allo and going with Copley as a starter. Um, it's not good. You know, Copley had one good year. Um, so that part concerns me. Um, but at the same time, like, I think we're at the point with the Kings where I'm actually okay with giving up draft picks. Like, I, I usually don't like the idea of giving up your first and then a second next year. But I'm okay with it just because we all know, like, they've got a deep prospect pool that it, it, it's okay. But it's again, this is a really rare time where it's going to happen. Right? It's at some point, basically, it's you got to be, be really careful about it. So I right now I'm okay, but I want, I'm more concerned about goaltending. So if I was going to worry about and like figure out how I want to spend my money, it'd be in goaltending. I mean, you look at um, 
a couple of years. Sorry, like sorry, Gabrikov signed for two years. I think he said that he wanted to bet on himself because that TV deal is gonna raise the what's it called the cap a lot more, right? In a couple of years, I think that's why it's only two years and like five point eight seven five. And then like whether he signs with the Kings or not in two years, who knows, right? But um, if you're talking about goalies, it's a little scarce this year on the market. Um, I would say Tristan Jari leads the pack. Um, I guess one of like Laurent Brassant or Freddie Anderson is, and the Corpusello obviously is like two, three, and four. There's not many great UFA goalies out there. I think this year a lot of like solid backups, but I don't know if anyone can be like your starter. Well, I think that's the whole thing now, right? Like, you're not looking for a full-time starter these days. You're looking for guys who can be that 1A, 1B, especially if you think Coffley's going to be that 1B. And, like, I mean, they do have the cap space to sign um, Corpusalo to, like... I don't, like, I don't think he's going to get much. Like, maybe, like, a two-year deal. Like, three, maybe four. But, like... I, I think if you're the Kings, I think you're going to go with that goalie by committee type of scenario. If you need to make a, like a trade for a goalie, maybe that's a possibility if you don't like your free agent options. But like when you look at the play, like Gavrikov played well with the Kings. I mean, yes, they lost in the first round, but he was a plus five. Right, you look at guys like Drew Doughty, Mikey Anderson, Sean Jersey, minus four against the Oilers in that series. So, you clearly got something. I know it's a small sample size, but that Gavrikov Roy pairing as like a defensive shutdown pairing, maybe not the worst thing in the world. And you know, if you're only betting on this team two years and then kind of reassess, I, I don't hate it too much. But you're you're right, also. I would say goalie is probably their next spot that they need to kind of really look at to improve for the next season. Yeah, like I, I don't hate the deal, don't get me wrong. There's times where I look at the deal and I'm like, ah, oh, this is terrible. It's not this is not one of those cases, right? It's a eh, I'll, I'll live with it, but I'm not like in love with it type of deal. And that's probably a better way of putting it. Do you maybe make a trade for an RFA like Jeremy Swayman? Or maybe uh Linus Allmark with the Bruins, where they've got to maybe pick one of those goalies. Like, I mean, that's a potential option. You know, like, I I think there's more options on the trade market than there are probably in free agency. But I think the Kings have options at least, right? Like, they can kind of see and scour. And now that you know they've got one thing done, they've got Gavkov resigned. They can kind of focus on their other things like goalie and Gabe Velarde. And like I guess to be fair, like it's like right handy is uh a lot of teams are looking for that, but the Kings have an excess of, I would say. They're the one of the few teams that are like, you know, we one of our right right side defensemen goes down, it's fine. We have like three, four who are very capable of doing so on a nightly basis, right? So I won't be too worried about that. Yeah, and that's why they gave up like a guy like Sean Walker because they knew they had like Brent Clark coming up, and I guess 
you know, that can turn the conversation over to Flyers, who, you know, they get a couple of guys that, you know, you know, see how they can do in slightly larger roles. Their team, I think, Daniel Breers kind of indicated, like, this is a team that's going to be rebuilding. And honestly, they're going to have some cap space. Like, if you think about two guys I think you put on LTIR, like Ryan Ellis and I'm guessing Sean Couturier, like, they can kind of be one of those teams that just helps eat caps for other teams and trades as long as they get back some assets. And, you know, game first two seconds, a flyer on a prospect like Helga Gron, like, not the worst thing in the world. I think they they set out what they needed to do was to, you know, start rebuilding and move on from some of the guys that they don't feel is going to be part of their next, you know, contending team. And, you know, if Cal Peterson, you know, plays back into, like, a, a good or decent backup or even a starter, like, that's a trade asset that also gives them a backup plan for Carter Hart. Like, again, I feel like the Flyers did okay. Like, they didn't do great, but they didn't do poorly. And, like, in fairness, Danny Beer got this, like, his predecessor kind of fucked him. Um, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen, 5.1 for five years. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, I think it was five million a year for two years. Um, Travis Sanheim is good, but I don't know about 6.25 for, I can't see this arrow, uh, UFA at the end of 2030 slash 31. It's, you know, Danny Breer did do this, and I think he has a tough job ahead of him, but this is a very, very solid first move for him as the uh, GM of the Flyers. So all of that is to obviously try to win the cup, which the Golden Knights are ugh, almost going to do, which I'm hoping I jinx this. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm looking at jinx. <laughs> um, remember when we did, when they did the um, expansion draft and everyone was like, what in the world is this team? The Misfits? Yes, the Misfits. It bothers me that the Misfits are probably winning the cup. <laughs> hey, Bill Foley said he wanted to win a cup in the first six years, and uh, this is year six. I also want to win the lottery. doesn't mean I'm going to win the lottery. I mean, he also spent millions of dollars. Fair, I'll give you that. But, oh, what? Honestly, okay. Maybe I'm jinxing it, but I thought the... Um, I thought the Panthers were going to win it just because they were, you know, all the right balances were going to them, right? You know what I mean? Um, where do you think the Golden Knights are going correct to be beating this, I would call, team of destiny? I'd say for Vegas, like, this is a team that everyone kind of knows their role. Like, I mean, we've talked about this before, right? There are probably, I would say, like, three lines solid. The fourth line can go out there in a pinch and, you know, eat up some minutes. Defensively, fairly solid. And, you know, Aiden Hill, just a big body in that that just stands in the way of shots, right? Like, to me, I think Vegas, you've got your captain, 
who's making what 9.5 million but he's not really you know being forced into an offensive role he's kind of more you know playing more of like a checking line a little bit you know everyone just kind of knows their role on this team to win and i think they're just deeper than the panthers right like when the panthers spread out their offense it's not spread out it it, it doesn't go as far down as vegas and i think the back end especially too you're seeing you know, you're not putting Theodore and Pietrangelo, your top two defensemen, on the same pairing all the time, right? Maybe after a power play or after a penalty kill, yeah. But, like, at even strength, I think the Golden Knights have them, you know, have them in a winning position. And the Panthers' penalty kill is obviously not helping either. So, I don't know. I think Vegas is just, they're just a little bit better than Panthers, but in every single aspect, which kind of just all adds up. I think this is twofold for me. Um, so we know, like, you know, to win the cup, you need guys who outperform the contracts. And given that Aiden Hill is your third string goalie and he is one way one win away from winning the finals, or the Stanley Cup finals, I'd say he's outperforming his contract. Um, so there's that. And then the other thing is, so from my perspective, I think the Panthers are a rough them up, like they just drag you down over like, you know, a four to seven game series, obviously. They did that with Boston. They demolished both the Leafs and Carolina. But I think the Knights, like if you look at it, uh, every player that they have is six foot or above, save for uh, Jonathan Marshall, who is, I think, 5'9", so short king. But you can't just fuck him up as a, from the Panthers' perspective. It's just like, you can just... Even in the end of uh, game four, it's like, you went to scrum, it was like, Vegas looked scary, and like, they don't seem rattled by the shit that uh, Kachuk does, good as does. And all those other guys who just like whose role is to like, you know, get you off your game, they they don't care. They're like, you're a piece of shit, but guess what? So are we. They're not rattled by that. I think that goes a long way for the Knights. And I think like the experience factor really ties in. Like the amount of guys on this Vegas team that have that experience of like a long run into the playoffs is really telling. Like maybe is it like I would say like Jack Eichel probably has the least playoff experience on this team, which is kind of saying something. And He's never played in the playoffs until yeah. this year. Yeah, like, I mean, Jack Eichel's played in big games for, like, Team USA and, as a, you know, when he was in the development program, right? So, like, I'm not saying, like, he has no experience, but, like, like guys who have made it to finals, right? Barbara Schiff, Marcheseau, Stevenson, Riley Smith, William Carlson, heck, you know, Phil Kessel. Mark Martinez, Pietrangelo, Theodore, Brandon McNabb, like, these are all guys that have, you know, done that long journey to the finals, they know what they're doing, and, you know, that's why they're kind of unfazed, yes, they're, you know, big boys, but, you know, also the fact that they've done this before, and they, they're, they're focused, and I think Bruce Cassidy has really done that, like, how bad does it look for the Bruins that like they gave up on Bruce Cassidy and Vegas is like, yeah, let's pick him up. Did you mention Jonathan Quick in that in that list or no? No, but I guess I should have. Sorry. 
Yeah, you forgot the most important person. Yes. A good locker room presence. I mean, if Quick plays the game, sure. But actually, no, does Quick make it onto the cup? Or does he have to be a special request? Because he hasn't played a playoff game. And I don't think he's played... Has he played the requisite number of games in the regular season? Special requests are special requests. Because he's a special player, okay? But, I mean, like, also, you posed this question to us. What's your thoughts about why the Golden Knights are kind of demolishing the Panthers in this series? Honestly, I think it just comes down to they're running out of energy. Right? Like, they played a grueling series against the Bruins. A grueling series against the, the Leafs. And I think by the end, like, by now, you've just had a couple really hard series and you just killed your energy by now. And you're facing a West team, which is, let's be honest, a lot easier to, to navigate through than just the pure physicality of it. Honestly, just where where's you down? Like I don't think there's any other way to put it. Didn't we just say that the Panthers easily beat the Canes in four and the Leafs in five, while Vegas had to play a couple more games in the Western Conference? I think it doesn't count. Like not just the quantity, the quality of games you had to play through. I think you disagree, but uh, I disagree with your disagreement. <laughs> yeah, I think Panthers. 100% had the harder path getting to the finals. Um, historic team in the Bruins. Leafs, they, you know, I guess historic in its own way, they made the second round. Um, and Carolina, who I think is either number three or four overall in the, uh, in the NHL standings. And now you have Vegas, who I think is also in the top five. They have like the Panthers, the the guys they face. No, sorry, the team that they face is a very like you face every division leader. I would say. I don't know. I I feel like that Carolina series. Yeah, they were a good team, but Carolina wasn't the same team by the time they reached the uh, Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, no, no Sveshnikov, no Pacioretty. Like, I mean, Pacioretty wasn't much a factor in regular season either, but. I don't think Carolina was that top five team in the league by the time they got to the finals. And, like, I understand, like, it, both paths were difficult, I would say, but maybe you could argue that Vegas had a slightly easier path than the Panthers. And, you know, like, the, the series isn't over. I mean, like, if you're talking about the underdog story, right? Like, down 3 1, is it not a stretch to say the underdog could win three in a row and come back? It just doesn't look likely. Like, like the, there was that stat I think they showed like if the Golden Knights score three goals they're fourteen and zero or something like some really really like like the Vegas just seems like a team of destiny I know you said that with the Panthers but maybe it's Vegas that's a team of destiny so we got one of you guys on team of destiny Knights oh sorry team of destiny Vegas and team of destiny Florida that's what I'm hearing. Okay, now I look like an idiot now because you know, like Team of Destiny, Florida, while they're just getting their their teeth kicked in. <laughs> you're down. You're up three one. Pretty. Confident. I'm down three one because yeah. I said the yeah, Florida was Team of Destiny, and then it looks bad for me. But I I get it, right? It just it hurts. And I think the top performers on 
Panthers. Like you got obviously you got Kachuk, Barkov, Brandon Montour, a couple of other guys. But it's like like we said, Vegas has a long list of guys who could just get you goals night in, night out. It's their top six. I'm not gonna bother naming. Their defense, Petrangelo, Martinez, Shea Theodore, Zach Whitecloud, Nick Haig. That's a, that's a very, very deep uh, defense core. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I, I, I think we kind of, I mean, you know, Florida could come back. You know, maybe they might win a game. Maybe they might win a two. But I think we're pretty much sold on Vegas winning the Cup. I mean, I think, you know, obviously – if you know we're 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 being really hypothetical here because this could go really really bad as the Panthers come back and win three, but you know I think it'd be really nice to see you know Mark Stone you know lifting the cup. But does this raise the question a little bit? You know, like we kind of talked about how you know when the Lightning were winning and they kind of threw Kucherov on LTIR and he comes back right for game one of the playoffs. Like, do you look at the next CBA to kind of discuss like can you? really like put guys on LTIR load up at the deadline. And then, you know, we talked about this before, like, should there be some sort of cap? Like, like, uh, what's it called? Should there be like a salary cap for the playoffs to prevent teams from like loading up? Like given the fact like Vegas didn't like really load up, but like, it's still a factor that, you know, they threw Mark Stone onto LTIR and he's ready to go game one of the playoffs. Right. I think you have to, right. Cause you're gonna if the Golden Knights are successful and all signs point towards it, and you look at what the Lightning did with Kucherov, it's just starting to incentivize team to be like, hey, your injury for let's just stretch it out, make sure you're rested for the for the playoffs, right? Like maybe the maybe the fix for this is that you go to LTIR. It's not like you still have a, a cap hit plus whatever player you bring in. Like you gotta do something about it because it's clearly working, right? Yeah, like teams are clearly like loading up at the deadline and you know maximizing that cap space because you know it is like a daily cap hit, right? So I don't, doesn't seem like there's a way around it, but like I mean, I, I did forget to mention your beloved Jonathan Quick was also one of the guys that they were able to acquire when they put. Uh, uh, Mark Stone on LTIR, but like if every team's doing it, maybe you're like, okay, fine, whatever. As long as your owner is willing to splash out that cash, right? So I, I don't know. I do want to point out one thing. I did just back to their uh, Flyers, LA, Columbus talk. Like, how many trades have those three teams made with each other? Like, do they have each other on speed dial or something? Like, I don't know. I've, I've it's every single trade always seems to involve those two teams that they're trading with each other. It's uh, it's Dallas seven for uh, Columbus and LA, and it's Dial uh, nine because they're new Philly. Yeah, like I'm trying to think, like Columbus and LA. Obviously, they did the Gavrikov for Pasala trade, but then you think you know the Jack Johnson, the Jeff Carters, going between those two. What Marin Gavrikov, like. Those two. What'd you call uh, them? Is it Mar- Marion Gabrikov? Gavrikov? No, no. Gabrik. Gabrik. Whatever. You know what I mean, right? But 
like there's that. Then you look at like LA and Philly, which was like what? Mike Richards? Um well, maybe Braden Shen was the same trade. Like Wayne Simmons, that was all like one trade. Couturier was definitely a pick. Well, Couturier was the Jeff Carter, right? Columbus and Philly, right? Right. And then now you have the Provorov, and now you got a nice three team trade involving all three. Like, and so whoever fact- gets drafts to 22nd is going to be a star player. That's what you're saying. Well, I mean, Braden Chen was a seventh overall. I think Aturi was also a top 10 pick. So I don't know if the 22nd pick is also going to be a star. Like, I don't. Maybe you might get a star, but uh, I doubt it. I, I wouldn't keep my hopes up that much if you're Philly that you're going to get a great guy, but you never know, right? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what's happening there, but, you know, Vegas, you know, doing well. I'm sure Olsen's feeling very sad that, you know, the one team that he hates the most is probably going to win the cup. But at least he'll be happy, I think. You know, he's conflicted, right? With, you know, former Kings winning the cup, like what, Brady McNabb, Alec Martinez, Jonathan Quick, you know. And we always forget, you know, Phil Kessel still plays for the Golden Knights. Like, he could lift the cup again for the third time. Like, who thought Phil Kessel, when he was a Leaf, that somewhere down along in his career that he would lift three cups? Phil Kessel, when he got traded. Um... I guess very quick lightning round. If Vegas wins, if um, Florida wins. So, you know, obviously if Vegas wins, Mark Stone lifts the cup. If Panthers come back, it's Barkov lifting the cup. Who is the first guy they pass it to? Um, If I'm Mark Stone, I mean, you would assume like a Jack Eichel because... He's probably kind of like the quote-unquote future of your franchise. But it's kind of funny because Eichel's actually, his contract expires before Mark Stone does. Um, I would have to, like, I'm trying to find, you know, you either have like that sentimental veteran who gets the cup. But like, I'm not in the boat of saying that, hey, you pass it off to Jonathan Quick. Um, I wonder if you give it to one of the original misfits. I feel like that would probably be the most sentimental. Like one of the March or so, uh, Smith, Carlson, McNabb. Carrier. Carrier, Theodore, like one of those guys maybe. I, I, I would probably say it would probably be – I'm trying to think. Who wears an A on out of those guys? Uh, uh, I'll tell you right now. It's Riley Smith who wears an A and Petrangelo who wears the A. So I'm going to go, I'll probably go Riley Smith then, right? Because, you know, he wears the A plus he's a misfit. misfit. If I'm Florida, I think that, I mean, your sentimental veteran pick would be, you know, an Eric Stahl. But at the same time, I could be like... But he's won a cup, no? He has, but it's, it's been a while. You know, he's 38. Maybe a Mark Stahl? Yeah, is, is that a, seems like a sentimental pick. I mean, Mark Stahl, right? Yeah, but then the the other guy I could see would be a Matthew Kachuk. I mean, if you really want to get the people and the fans going, you hand it over to Matthew Kachuk too, right? I could see a Sergei Bobrovsky, but I, I think I would go with Matthew Kachuk instead of going for the sentimental pick. I'm going to go Matthew Kachuk. 
for the Florida That is Panthers. such a shit house pick to be like offering it to, to Chuck. I love it. Don't get me wrong. It's just a very much a shit house pick. Then who would you give it to? But on both teams. Hmm. On the. I feel like on the uh, what's it called the Golden Knights. Do you maybe consider giving it? This is gonna be a hot, 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 hot take. They don't take it. They don't take it. They just give. A- Aiden Hill. See, I mean, that's a hot take. No, that's not really a hot take, considering he's played, I would say, two full rounds and kind of backstopped you here. Okay, cool. I thought it would be a hot take. Um, and the, for me, I think it's Mark Stahl. I think you got to go with Mark Stahl. Just a leader, vet, who's probably playing his last year, let's be honest here, and kind of has never won the Cup. You know what I mean? Like that I don't know. I feel like that's probably the the guy I'd go with. Anson, you pose the question, your turn to answer. I think like you said, I think it has to for me, it's Eichel. He has never been in the playoffs, and if he wins the first time he makes it. And like considering how much he's contributed to the to the run, I think he is the guy who gets handed off to first. Although, obviously, I could see an argument to be made for uh, other guys like Smith, Marshall, Stevenson, Carlson, like all those guys, 100%. But I think my pick is Carlson for the Knights. And then for Panthers, I would say Ekblad. Just for like a, I guess, hot take, hot pick. He's been there for, like I don't know how many years. He was drafted first overall. He's been through all the ups and downs. I know he's young. 27, but I think he's my pick. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, well, we'll see how much longer this finals is going to go. It could end when you guys probably hear this pod. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Do we get Austin a jersey for uh, when Vegas wins? I'll be so upset. Oh, no, don't get me one of those. A Vegas jersey? I'll be so upset. Oh, no. Don't get me one of those. I'll be so heartbroken. I, I feel like there's other jerseys that we should be getting before um, a Vegas jersey, but, you know. Like uh, what, Jeffrey? <laughs> you know what jersey we're, we're looking for, but... Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll get him with a nice Jonathan Quick Stanley Cup final t-shirt or something. Especially if they, especially if they uh, lose, too. Again, I'm so up upset, Jeffrey. <laughs> I remember when a friend tried to get something off for the abs from the abs website when they won the finals. Uh, the prices were a little bit high, so if Anson wants to purchase it, that is a okay with me. I do not need to be involved with it. I would just give uh, a good pat on the back for Olsen when uh, Vegas wins. You cheap prick. <laughs> well, I know it's uh, there's nothing sentimental there. That's why. You cheap prick. Anton, I appreciate you. It's the thought that counts, at least. Yes. All right, Jeffrey, what, what are your final thoughts? Um, I don't know. I feel like season's flying by. Like, once the Stanley Cup gets rewarded, we're straight into the offseason. Uh, not, we haven't really talked much about the offseason, but I feel like there's going to be quite a bit to talk about. And, uh, yeah, just kind of getting ready for that. All right. My final thoughts are... Oh, no, don't get me something, Jeffrey. Oh, man. 
And with that, let's uh, talk in a couple weeks then. Uh, bye. Thanks for listening to the Bank Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.